Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FloatCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freely, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Rio Rancho, New Mexico this weekend for an exciting headliner between Corey Anderson and Jan Vonkovic. We will be breaking down that fight as well as our two other favorite fights on the card as part of our Fights Dogs and Parlay section, where we'll also give you an underdog that we think you should play and a parlay that we think you could piece together and take home a good chunk of change. Plus, as always, we've got the interviews for you. This week, we'll be interviewing Macy Chason as she gets ready for her bout. Uh, granted, the, the opponent has changed, and the, the interview is a little untimely in that regards, but you can hear all about her preparation for the fight nevertheless. And we'll be talking to Casey Kenny as he gets ready for Mirab Dvalishvili in his bout in Rio Rancho, plus his climb up the Bantamweight division and just how fast he thinks he can get there. But of course, before we get to any of that great content, we got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by BattleClan. Visit BattleClanGear.com and use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off your whole order. Now listen, that's TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, UP, U-P, and then 10, the number 10, 1, 0, TURTLEUP10. And personally, I think you should check out their site, BattleClanGear.com, because not only do I love the gear, I think it looks sharp, they've got cool t-shirts, they've got great rash guards, but I also really love what they stand for. The company was started by two guys who could not be more different from one another, one from California, one from Brazil. They got different cultures, different ideologies, different desires, and like they are just different people, but the sport of MMA brought them together. And if you train... You've probably had that feeling before that you are part of a family that you train with, or maybe a clan that you go train with. So obviously, that's the premise behind Battle Clan. So rep that and your whole clan by going to BattleClanDeer.com and using promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off. Battle Clan Gear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumpy Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Casey Kenny, who fights Marab Devalishvili at UFC in Rio Rancho this upcoming weekend. So, Casey, you're 2 0 in the UFC. You got wins over some really decent names with, you know, former title challenger Ray Borg. You beat Manny Bermudez, who was a, you know, had a, a hell of an uprising through the UFC at the time. Yet here you are up against Marab Devalishvili, and you're quite a huge underdog almost a two to one underdog in this fight have you seen those numbers and if so uh, what are sort of your thoughts on that yeah you know i saw that uh, that i was the underdog and honestly i like it man um they've been counting me out the last two times and uh you know i had such a stretch before i got into the ufc where not only was i supposed to win but i was supposed to win you know in, a, in spectacular fashion and anything less you know, was, uh, you know, it was still a win, but, it, you know, it didn't really accomplish much. So now I get to sit back and play the underdog for a little while, and, you know, I'm okay with that. Sounds like I'm a good bet. And, and it sounds like, too, you know, they, they, you enjoy this role because there's less pressure. Is that fair to assume? Yeah, yeah, you know, especially at this level where I'm at, you know, you always got pressure, but it's, it's nice to sit back and uh, have people doubt you a little bit. 
Absolutely. Now let's let's talk a little bit about the fight too, because you get this fight with Marab Devashvili. It's not really a tough question what type of fight this guy likes, right? Like he's got 27 takedowns in his four UFC bouts. He, you know, he's averaging almost seven, you know, a fight at this point in time. What are your thoughts on facing that style in a fight? Ah uh, man, you know, uh, I fought uh, a couple tough grapplers in my first uh, first two go arounds in the UFC. Uh, you know, Manny being a little bit more submission specialist, but uh, you know that's kind of kind of where Ray Borg was at. You know, with the takedown, a um, little bit different style of takedowns, I think. Uh, but you know, I've been grappling a long time, and uh, you know, I, it's, it's paid off, and, and you know, I've held my own uh, there. So I don't I don't uh, see it being another pro- you know be, being a problem uh, this time around. Um, I mean, same stuff you know, tough grappler. Uh, hopefully he wants to stand and trade and take a few punches. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned too that you have faced Ray Borg and Manny Bermudez, who are both you know pretty damn good grapplers in their own right, and, and you won fights that involved heavy amounts of grappling against them. What do you think it says about the UFC that they keep matching you up with what seems to be almost exactly the same style? Yeah, man, uh, you know, I, I'm just happy for, uh, you know, getting fights and, you know, working my way up into, you know, the top 15, top 10, um, you know, on my way to that belt. Whoever they put in front of me, you know, I'll take them out. And, uh you know, maybe one day uh, I'll get that a guy who wants to stand up and trade with me. And you know, that guy could be Mirab. You know, he's shown uh, shown a little bit more on his feet his last few go rounds. I think uh, even in the Katona fight, you know, Katona was like the first one to shoot uh, in the first round. You know, obviously he got some takedowns later, but you know, Mirab was standing up there for most of the round. So uh, I think he's you know trying to showcase that he's a, a well-rounded mixed martial artist. So. Uh, you know, only time will tell, but uh, I'm ready for wherever the fight goes. And in that answer, too, I know you mentioned the top 15 and the top 10 of the division. You are currently listed at number 15 in the UFC uh, Bantamweight division. Obviously, that means you're only a few fights away from getting anywhere near that, that top of the division. What are your thoughts on the top of the 135 division right now? Because you got Henry Cejudo, who is now fully in the division. He's left flyweight, and he's, you know arguably about to be booked with a guy who's coming off a loss in Jose Aldo. What are your thoughts on what the top of this division looks like? Oh, man, the, the Bantamweight division is hot right now. I mean, uh, you know, you look at me, and any, even one one above me, you know, Chito Vera, he's got five finishes in a row and just cracked into the top 15. And then, you know, the rest of the top 15, you know, it's killers, killers all around. And, uh you know, I, I like the Jose Aldo thing. Um, you know, obviously maybe a little bit different uh, of a title shot way, or a different way to get a title shot than most, but I, I'd like to see Jose Aldo versus Cejudo as well. It's interesting that you say that, too, because I actually recently spoke to Chido Vera, uh, who said almost the exact same thing. He liked that Jose Aldo was getting a title shot. Do you like it from just a stylistic standpoint, or do you like it for you know, all that it stands for. Uh, I mean, it's Jose Aldo, man. You know, if he wants to come down into the weight class, you know, uh, I'm all for it. That guy's a legend. And uh, I think it only brings good things to uh, the Bantamweight division, having him there. And, you know, uh, if the title shots, you know, what what uh, the UFC wants to do for him, then, 
you know, I'm all for it. We'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. And, you know, if he, uh, yeah, obviously, I want my crack at Cejudo at some point. But uh, you know, if Aldo happens to become our champion, you know, now, now I'm ch- chasing Jose Aldo, and uh, man, there there wouldn't be a greater fighter I'd want to chase right now. I I love that mentality. And and who would you like in a fight like that, Jose Aldo or Henry Cejudo, or who do you think would win that matchup? Uh, I like, uh, I mean, it's a tough matchup and, uh, Cejudo surprised me against Marais, uh, in his, you know, in that bout, but, uh, man, I don't, I think Jose Aldo gives him uh, a run for his money. That's for sure. And, uh, honestly, I'd fight either of them. Um, you know, I was, I was staying ready for December 14th, hoping somebody was going to fall out, you know, Jose Aldo, Marais, Faber, Peter Jan, one of those four. And I was hopefully, uh, going to get a phone call for that and I was going to be ready you know I stayed ready for that so um I think you know I, I got uh, a lot of work to do still in the bantamweight division but you know one of those big names presents itself and uh you know I can make bantamweight in a couple of days notice and I'm always ready so uh you know it may come sooner or later if the, the time's right and you know the right things happen but uh I'm down to fight either of them that, that's interesting too. That you're you're only a, a couple of days away from being able to make bantam weight at all times. Is that because you just keep yourself really ready, or is your walk around weight actually that low? Um, you know, my walk around weight is around like fifty, fifty five. Uh, you know, not super huge for bantam weight, um, but definitely uh, you know a hard flyweight cut and uh, just you know years of cutting weight and stuff. Uh, I feel like for the right opportunity, I can make bantam weight about whenever they call me. Um, one, you know, I keep my walking rate weight pretty low because I'm always in shape. I'm always training, but, you know, um, I definitely can get up in the fifties where, you know, that, that would be a weight cut, a couple, uh, a big couple day weight cut, but, uh, definitely doable. Interesting. Interesting. Now, and you mentioned there that you had a bunch of hard cuts to 25 earlier in your career. You were actually, you know, a champion at 125 in a, you know, prior organization, that that seems to be you know well past. You you've got no interest in ever going back to twenty five. Not at the moment. Uh, maybe you know if the right opportunity presents itself. But uh, you know, who wouldn't want to be a part of the bantamweight division right now? And you know, I feel like with the the two guys that uh, I got uh, matched up with, you know, it kind of skyrocketed me into the the top fifteen, and uh, you know. I jumped right into the top 15 in an awesome weight class. So, uh, you know, that's where, where I'm staying at now. You know, flyweight's making a resurgence, but it's still not, you know, what the, the bantamweight weight class is. And, you know, I want to be a champion of one of the best weight classes. Well, it's certainly to be a champion of one of the best weight classes, you're going to have to get through Mirab Dvalishvili this upcoming weekend. So tell me, how does Casey Kenny get it done when it comes February 15th? Oh, man, I'm going to put him away. Uh, I think uh, he, he's kind of wild on his feet, and uh, I'm going to pick my shots and uh, put this dude away. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen there, i got many other ways to do it. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Casey Kenny fights Mirab Dvalishvili at UFC in Rio Rancho this upcoming weekend. Casey, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. For sure, man. Thanks for your time as well. This is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Macy Chason, who fights Nico Montano at UFC Rio Rancho in February 15th. So, 
Macy, I, I got to start by asking you because you, you're coming off of a loss for the very first time in your professional career. How are you dealing with that, both mentally and in the gym? I mean, you know, initially, like you know, your first loss in your pro career, it's, it's a little bit of a shock, you know. But uh, you know, there was a lot that I actually learned. You know, I think honestly, you know, my coach and I talked about it a lot uh, before we started this camp recently and uh we were just saying that you know the loss was probably like one of the best things that could have ever happened to me you know I kind of got to a point to where I was just used to winning so much and you know and and uh people just had all these expectations and I also like you know come to think of it like I basically grew up in the UFC you know I started basically in the UFC 2-0 and so, you know, I think it was a big learning experience for me. And, uh, you know, there were a few holes in my game that I really needed to focus on. And, and I know I could beat Lena Landsberg. I really do. And I think at this point in my camp, if I fought her again, it would go a lot more differently. But, uh, you know, I'm just really blessed to be in the UFC and have another opportunity. And I'm ready to show, showcase my skills and put that in the past. You know, I'm not going to reminisce on something like that. I'm, I'm, uh, I really do believe that I can be a champion and, you know, sometimes champions fall, but the, the, they become champions because they continue to push forward and, and get up and rise. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, you mentioned that your coach, Safe Saad, gave you some, you know, good advice, said that it's probably one of the better things that could happen to you in that career. Uh, is, was there any other words of wisdom following that loss that really helped you out of that? Um, for my coach? Specifically? Yeah, coach or, or teammates for that matter. <laughs> Honestly, he's such an honest person, you know, and that's what I that's why we click so well because, you know, we don't sit here and, and act like, Oh, well, you went through this or this happened to you. I mean, I could sit there and make excuses all day, you know. I mean I lost my home, I, I had to go home for this and that and the thing is is that he looked at me, he's like, You need to get stronger and I was like, you know, and then I walked into the gym right before I started camp, and I was like, Coach, I need you to push me. Like, you push the boys. I was like, I don't want any, like, you know, I don't want any expectations. Like, oh, like, you'll be fine. You're going to win. You're strong. You're a big 135-er. You know, I mean, all these girls are strong in 135. I mean, and th- there's a reason they're, they're in the UFC, and I told them, I was like, I need you to push me as hard as you can. I want to be pushed like the boys. You know, and he's like, this is why I love you. Like, you're exactly right. You know, and, and that, that's exactly what we've done this whole camp. And so you feel like you, you're much stronger for this fight? You, you, and you feel like that's going to play into it? Absolutely. I uh, I actually started working with, um, right before I started my camp with a nutritionist, a new nutritionist, uh, CEG. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we really focused, because I train a lot. I mean, I, I like, it's to the point to where, um, it, it's almost, you know, a lot of overtraining and I just haven't, I didn't take care of my body the way I, I should have my last camp. You know, I didn't have enough downtime. I didn't have enough rest, uh, going along with hard training. So I think for me, it was more of a mental, a mental thing. You know, I needed more time for myself and a physical aspect to make myself stronger. You also have to recover. So I've been working with the right people. I have Eric Pena in with Lockhart and Leith. You know, he came in two weeks early to help uh, get my weight down and focus on, you know, just the last little bits of training. And, you know, he's been refeeding me, and we're in a really good spot. I mean, I've, I've, this is the best I've looked 
you know, up until 35. I mean, I have a six pack right now. So, uh, I'm feeling really strong. I'm feeling really confident. I feel really good in all aspects of, you know, my training as far as camp goes. I mean, I, I feel seriously over prepared and I'm just ready to go in there and have fun. And I don't want to overthink anything. I want to go in there and just do what I do best. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now, let, let's talk about your opponent a little bit, too, because you're mentioning getting stronger and making sure you're strong for this fight. Nicole Montano, a, a former UFC champion. Uh, obviously, she's got maybe even less experience in the UFC than you do. Uh, but do you feel like, you know, getting stronger was really necessary for her specifically? I think getting stronger was necessary just in general. You know, because... I mean, for this fight, yeah, but in general, I mean, looking in the, like, in the future, like, I'm always, like, kind of looking ahead, like, you know, I, I need to be the best form of myself, you know, and what is, what is that going to be? You know, is it going to be, do I need to get stronger here and get stronger there? Do I physically need to be stronger, you know? So it's really just been improvements in all aspects of my training, you know, physically and mentally. And, um, I mean, Nico is a very evasive fighter. She's got great cage wrestling, you know, and, um, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, overthink anything with her or overlook anything with her. So if I can get stronger in all aspects of my training, then, you know, I think, I think we'll do, we'll do well. And you mentioned in there, too, getting stronger in the mental aspects of the game, too. What were some of the areas that you felt like you needed to get stronger with as far as you're thinking about fighting? So I think for me, it was just because uh, I've always been a pretty like mentally strong person, you know, uh, even when I was in a tough house, I've always had that, that um, kind of like I was ahead of a game in a way because I, I was mentally strong, but I didn't have the experience with that. Like I didn't have like a grindy three round fight to like say, okay, well, I can't let you do this. Like I need to, I need to one up, you know, I need to man up and, and turn the situation into mine, you know? So when I think things don't go my way, I need to be okay with making them go my way, you know, instead of just being like, instead of backing off. So I think I've really grown a lot in this camp in that aspect, you know, doing six, seven, eight rounds in a row, five minute rounds of hard sparring and getting to the point to where you're exhausted, but just saying, no, I'm not tired, you know? So I've definitely grown a lot this camp. And you mentioned going for like some very heavy rounds of hard sparring. Obviously, we're we're doing this interview just the day before UFC 247, but you have quite a few teammates fighting on that card as well. How, how important was that to this training camp? Uh, hard sparring. Like, what do you mean? Like sparring with them? Or yeah, ha having having a whole bunch of people peaking right around the right time. Oh yeah, honestly, that was a really big that that did a lot for me as well mentally because I watched, you know, Alex Morono, Miles Johns. I mean, just do endless amounts of rounds, like just untimed rounds, and just grinding through all of it. And it really inspired me because I watched it and I was like, that's exactly how I want to be pushed. That is exactly how I want to train. And uh, I mean, it 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 really turned a corner for me, you know. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, I do like to try to get a prediction here. How do you see this one going down uh, when it comes February 15th? I think, you know, she's going to do exactly what she likes to do to all of her other opponents. 
you know, I'd get him against the cage, do a little little bit of wrestling, and uh, I think she's going to have a really hard time keeping me where she wants me. And uh, if things don't go my way, I'm going to make them go my way. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Macy Chason, who fights Nico Montano at UFC Rio Rancho. Macy, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan. And those interviews with Macy Chason and Casey Kenny are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. It does not matter what martial arts you do. Maroon Social is going to help you reach your goals. Here's how they do it. You're going to go to wherever you download apps, whether it's the Apple Store or Google Play or whatever it is. Download the Maroon Social app. From there, you can start a profile on Maroon Social that you know reps cool things like the gym you train at and your belt level and the martial art you love. And then you can log your training sessions. And the coolest thing about logging your training sessions is you can write little notes to yourself. You can tag different techniques that you've worked on. There's all kinds of different things that allow you to stay on top of what you've been working on and maybe what you haven't been working on as well as how often you've been training. So check out that and all the other hundreds of features that Maroon Social has, Maroon Social. Now, I'm Daniel Gubby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start by talking about what you think about the fact that we now have two 135-pounders who are ranked, mind you, Marlon Vera and Casey Kenny, who are completely cool with the Jose Aldo jump-in-the-line title shot coming off a loss. What what say you? It is really funny to think about because we heard Marlon Vera tell us the very same thing a few weeks ago on this very show, Top Turtle MMA. I mean, I guess in Casey Kenny's, uh, from his point of view, you know, he's ranked number 15, so it's not like he's necessarily next in line. So who actually gets that next title shot? Does it necessarily matter to him? Eh, not as much. What I do hope, though, or I hope hasn't happened yet, is I hope UFC fighters don't just get bogged down to the idea that the matchmakers and Dana White are always just going to sub in that big name. Because to me, as like a hardcore nerd fan, I I don't think Jose Aldo necessarily deserves this title shot just yet. Uh, He's not coming off the most dominating performance at 135. I still don't trust that he can regularly make that weight without dying. Uh, You know, I would have liked to see him get one more fight at 135 from a fan's perspective, at least. Yeah, I would have liked to see him win a fight at 135. You know, like coming off the, <laughs> the, the whole like coming off a loss thing frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, and and you know like like you said, I, I hope the fans don't get used to them just subbing in the big name for the title shot. But in addition to that too, like I, I am okay with them doing that when there's not a clear answer. Like you know like Israel Adesanya is about to fight Yoel Romero. I've almost got no problem with Yoel Romero in that, because who else are you going to give the title shot to, right? Like, are you going to give the title shot to Jared Cannonier? Probably not yet. Are you going to give the shot to Darren Till? Not after one fight in the division. Like, there, there's not a lot of options at middleweight, but at bantamweight, there's a hundred good options. Corey Sandhagen is coming off, like, a 150 straight wins. you got Aljamain Sterling, who's looked dominant as hell lately. You've got Peter Jan, who just knocked freaking Uriah Faber silly like there are three or four good options at Bantamweight and we're passing them all up for a guy who lost you know like and whether or not you scored that fight for him or not even if the judges give him that decision I'm not giving him that title fight so yeah I mean I I get what you're saying about you know like we shouldn't get used to the legends but like we certainly shouldn't get used to the legends with no reason 
I'm with you, bro. Well, you talk a lot about options. I got a lot of options for you. In our favorite segment on the show, Fights Dog Parlays, uh, we are breaking down the fights this coming weekend for the UFC. We're going to break down the fights. We're going to give you a couple of live dogs you might want to bet on, and we'll give you a parlay to play. But, Gumby, before we get to our favorite segment, Fights Dogs Parlays, I wonder, does anyone sponsor said segment? Absolutely. You can get the sponsor of Fights Dogs and Parlays at BattleClanGear.com. BattleClan is the official sponsor of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. They've got awesome stuff if you were a grappler or they've got casual wear. And you can get your entire order there 10% off when you use promo code TURTLEUP10. That's T-U-R-T-L-E-UP-10-1-0. TURTLEUP10, 10% off your whole order at BattleClanGear.com. Turtle Up 10 at BattleClanGear.com. I absolutely love it, and I love Fight Dogs and Parlays. Let's start with the main event, as we are typical to do. Corey Anderson is a minus 225 favorite. He's taken on Jan Blachkovitz. Uh Corey Anderson is coming off of a big win over Johnny Walker, an underdog in that fight, if I recall correctly. It was a TKO that did the trick. He's actually on a four-fight win streak, beat Patrick Cummins, Glover Teixeira, Lear Latifi, and then Johnny Walker. Uh, Blankovitz is coming off a two-fight win streak. He beat Luke Rockhold via KO and won a split decision over Jacare Souza, lost to Tiago Santos before that back in February of 2019. So two and one in his last three, had a four-fight win streak heading into that Tiago Santos loss. Uh, if you wanted to bet on him as an underdog, he's a plus 185. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking Corey Sandhagen in here because mostly the way that I – or sorry, Corey Sandhagen. We just got to talking about him. Corey Anderson. I'm taking Corey Anderson in this fight, and the reason is really simple. You know, like he just faced a very, very talented striker. You know, like everybody's high on Johnny Walker right now. I'm high on Johnny Walker still even after that loss, but he went in there and put it on him. So knowing that he survived against a dangerous striker – that's literally what he's up against here with Jan Blankovic. And we've already proven once that Corey Anderson can take down Blankovic and beat him up. Now, granted, that was four years ago or almost five years ago at this point in time. So Blankovic could have progressed a lot, but I don't see a whole lot difference between that Blankovic and this Blankovic. So, uh, you know, with, with all that kind of stuff considered and, and the fact that, like, Blankovic is a guy who, who's lost to wrestlers in the past, right? Like, Patrick Cummins took a decision off of him. I'm leaning towards Corey Sandhagen, and I think he probably gets it done pretty easily. And since it's a light heavyweight fight, I think he probably gets him out of there, too. Now, you said Corey Sandhagen again, but we all know oh, you meant God. Corey Anderson. I, <laughs> I'm with you 100%. I think uh, we are seeing the peak of a very good MMA fighter right now in Corey Anderson. Uh, ever since the loss to Ovin St. Preux back in November of 2017, I think he's really turned his game around, and I think you're watching... Uh, you know, his ascension to the best mixed martial artist he could be. I do not expect uh, that Jan is going to put a stop to that. So I'm very comfortable taking Corey Anderson here, and I'm very excited, excited to see where he goes from here. I mean, he really could be in that John Jones territory with one more win. So very exciting matchup there. Uh, we'll move then to Nathaniel Wood, who's undefeated in the UFC, 3-0. and uh, he has wins via two via rear naked choke, one via Darce choke. So he's a man near and dear to my heart as a submission specialist. And he's taken on John Dotson, who's kind of fallen on tough times here. Uh, he's coming off two losses in a row to Peter Yan and Jimmy Rivera. Beat Pedro Munoz via split decision back in March of 2018. Lost to Marlon Moraes before that. So 
I mean, you go back in his last four fights, John Dodson, uh, a two-time flyweight title challenger, is one and three in his last four. Who are you taking here? And I do want to mention that Dodson as a dog is only a slight dog at plus 135. I'm taking Nathaniel Wood. Look, I I like Dodson. I've always liked the way that he moves in and out and is very elusive, hard to hit, hard to get a hold of. But as you've noticed in Nathaniel Wood's fights, he's a guy who is good at putting you up against the cage. He's going to be more physical than Dodson, being Dodson being a, a guy who's made it down to flyweight before. So, like, you know, I, I would worry about Dodson's physicality against him. I, I think Dodson's a good grappler, but again, Nathaniel Wood is kind of that next-level grappler. You mentioned the three submissions. Clearly not against anybody of Dodson's caliber, but all not slouches on the ground, and he's a guy who's hitting takedowns fairly consistently. You know, he, he's hit, you know, two-thirds of his takedowns since he's been in the UFC. He's tough to get out, or he's tough to stop that takedown. So, you know, I, I like him against Dodson for that reason. And, and really, when you, you look at what Dodson's done, it is against the cream of the crop. It is against the really tough guys. But I just don't see him stopping takedowns nonstop for 15 minutes. Agree completely. Uh, I really do look forward to the rise of Nathaniel Wood here. I feel like Dodson's on the way out, and that sort of reminds me of the next match we'll be talking about. You have Michael Pereira, uh, minus 160 favorite, taking on the legend, Diego Sanchez. Sanchez coming off a loss to Michael Chiesa, the unanimous decision, was completely out-wrestled, out-grappled, out-classed in that fight. Uh, but he did beat Mickey Gall and Craig White before that, um, lost to Matt Brown via KO in November of 2017. So in the past two years, he is 2-1, and one, but again, coming off the upper echelon uh, of that division uh, against someone who's a better grappler in Michael Chiesa, Diego Sanchez just looked like, you know, he's on his way out. Uh, Michael Pereira, uh, we want to hear more about him from you, Gumby. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC, but favored here at minus 160, Sanchez, the plus 140 dog, who you got? Uh, I'm actually going to go with Diego Sanchez in this fight, and, and the reason is kind of simple. Like, if you look at Pereira so far in the UFC and the two fights he's had, like, first of all, absolutely positively the most entertaining man on the UFC's roster. And I, I don't say those words lightly, but, like, the dude outside of the UFC did a moonsault in a fight. You know, he, he runs off of the cage, like, every other minute. Like, that's the, the coolest thing he can think of at the time. And he's just so he's just going to do it. Um, but that being said, a lot of wasted movement, right? Like, when, when you do a lot of spinning stuff and flying stuff and off-the-cage stuff and you do a backflip in the middle of the cage or a somersault, you're tired. And, and he showed that in his last fight when he fought Tristan Connolly, who was coming in not only on short notice, but he was coming in on short notice up a weight class, you know, and, and for that reason, you know, I, I think that Pajera is is not going to be able to handle 15 minutes of Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez has shown that he is a damn good wrestler. You know, he out-wrestled, out-grappled Mickey Gall, you know, and not that Mickey Gall is a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a damn good grappler. And for the fact that, that Diego Sanchez out-grappled him, it just means, it just shows me that Diego Sanchez is going to go in there he is going to absolutely blanket Michelle Pereira. And I think that in, in the end, he's probably going to win a decision that is uncharacteristically boring for these two. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to disagree with anything you say there. Uh, let's get to our dog of the week. It's Casey Kenny plus 190 over, I'm going to butcher this name, Mareb Devalashvili. 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm like Casey Kenny in this fight. We talked a little bit about him being the underdog on uh, in the interview, as you guys heard. I- I'm sort of shocked he's the underdog. I mean, he's ranked number 15. Uh, Marab Devalishvili, he's two and two in the UFC. Granted, he is on a two-fight win streak, but like he hasn't beaten the names that Casey Kenny has. And if you look at the names that Casey Kenny has beaten, he beat Manny Bermudez, who is a tough grappler. He beat Ray Borg, who is a damn tough grappler and a former title challenger. And both of those guys, you know. Because they're so high on grappling, because they're so high on wrestling, Casey Kenny has shown that he can scramble with both of them. Casey Kenny has shown that after he scrambles with both of them, he is able to put it on them with strikes. Murad Dalashvili is, is no slouch in the grappling department, but it's sort of his one note, right? Like, he has shot and was successful on 27 takedowns in his four fights, which means he likes to wrestle, but also that he shoots a lot and he's unable to hold people down. You know, if you can hold people down, you shouldn't be averaging seven takedowns a fight, right, in a, in a three-round fight. That means, you know, somebody is getting up from all of those takedowns or almost all of those takedowns. So I, I like Casey Kenny to scramble here and most likely win a decision. And, you know, I could even see him catching him in a guillotine or something on the way in. All right, our parlay to play Montana De La Rosa, a minus 165 favorite. Ray Borg, couple them together, Borg a minus 150 favorite as well. But play Montana De La Rosa and Ray Borg together, you get odds of plus 165. Why are you liking this? So I like Montana De La Rosa here mostly because uh, I, I love the way that she grapples in fights. Uh, I'm looking at her versus Mara Romero Barella, who I have not been super impressed with since she's been in the UFC. She's got a couple of good wins in there, but I just think Montana De La Rosa goes in there and, and she has her way with her in the grappling department. And as a result, I, I think negative 165 is a fair price. And, and it's not too much of a favorite that you don't want to put it in a parlay because it, you know, is going to squander all the odds that you're going to build up by adding two people together. I'm also, like I said, pairing her with Ray Borg. He's fighting Rogerio Bontarin. And in this fight, I like Ray Borg because Borg is going back to flyweight. And while, while that cut for Borg was really tough for a while, uh, I think that that cut is important for him to make because as we saw him when he fought Casey Kenny, Bantamweight is just too big for him. You know, I, I don't like what he looked like at Bantamweight. And, and he followed that up by going back to flyweight against Gabriel Silva and looking damn good. So I, I like him back at, at flyweight. And I think here against the guy like Bontarin, who is a little bit thinner and is a longer fighter, I, I think if he gets in on the legs, he's just going to have his way in the grappling department. Boom. That's our fights, dogs, and parlays. Let us know if we did you dirty. Let us know if we did you right this weekend. We're pretty good at what we do, but hey, sometimes we get it wrong. Uh, you can go to our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. We'll be tweeting along with the show. Certainly let us know how we did for you and if our advice played out in the right way for you. We do certainly appreciate you listening and the interaction. Gumby, why don't you wrap things up for us here? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Journal MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not have our show without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for giving us a mothership that we can beam down from right into your ears. We want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and BattleClanGear.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10 to get 10% off. We want to remind you to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We've got all kinds of cool things going over there. All the time, including some fun giveaways. We just gave away an autographed picture this past event. So check it out. You don't want to miss out on the next one of those. And I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.